watch the breakdown. And here we go. Davis goes left. Davis gets a block. Chris Davis. Touchdown. Auburn. An answered prayer. Cut. Michigan. Touchdown. I can't believe this. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown. Alabama wins. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Campus and Campus Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. You can find me on Twitter, at KHookem. And today we're going to cover our latest mock draft we did with uh, with uh, Chasing the Natty podcast, uh, CFF Jared and CFF Xavier, uh, two of the newcomers on the scene this year, doing a great job, really really kicking ass and, uh, you know, taking stuff, uh, you know, upon themselves to make sure everybody's in mocks and, and keeping it going. Uh, so what we're going to do today, we're going to, me and my me and my co-host, J.D., so before we go any further, let me go ahead and bring my co-host in. J.D., what's going on, bro? Yeah, not a lot. It's uh, Memorial Weekend. Uh, it's, we're recording this morning at Memorial Day. Uh, it's going to be 106 degrees here, so it's in the morning. Uh, hasn't uh, quite heated up yet, so I guess when the sun, before the sun comes out too much, looking forward. 106 is, uh, 106 is legit, bro. <laughs> Putting up numbers. We actually, uh, man, we had a weird day uh, Saturday morning here. It was like fifty degrees. It was, it was, it was sweater weather outside. You know, here in, in Tennessee, and that doesn't happen very often. But it's probably going to get pretty warm today. Probably end up spending a little time in the lake later on this afternoon to celebrate Memorial Day. So shout out to all the servicemen and women across the country that uh, that protect and serve and and go the extra the extra mile that a lot of people want. So shout out to you guys, and we appreciate you. But uh. But with, without any further ado, we're going to kick it right off and try to keep it short today. We're going to we're going to jump into our mock draft, and what the way we're going to do it is I'm going to kind of talk about my team from from start to finish, go over some of the strategy, have uh, ask JD some of his thoughts on it, then he'll go over his team, and then we'll hit on you know a player or two each round that we thought stood out, whether it was too high, too low, uh, anything anything along those lines. So uh, so we'll kick it off. So JD, Red Rock Roll man. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. So I was picking out of the 12th spot in, in a 12-team draft, so I was right on the turn. Uh, I wanted to switch it up a little bit this time. I'm typically one of the guys that wants to go after a, uh, a decent set of quarterbacks in the two-quarterback league. Uh, this go-around, I decided to punt on quarterback until rounds 13 and 14 just to see what was available that late in the draft. And I got to tell you, I was pretty pretty pleased with the way it turned out. <clears throat> At the 12th spot, I took Kayshawn Boutte from uh, from the wide receiver from LSU. Followed that up by Austin Jones, the running back from Stanford. Uh, in the third and fourth round, I took Jarek Broussard from Colorado. Fourth uh, fourth round, I took Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Fifth round, Calvin Turner, the running back from Hawaii. And sixth round, Jahan Dotson, the run- wide receiver for Penn State. So, uh, so I, what I was thinking is I wanted to keep it as balanced as possible. Take running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, just about every single turn, just to see what it kind of looked like. And again, uh, if you guys listen to this pod very often, I'm a big advocate of of trying different strategies out in mock drafts. 
I don't give a rat's ass if I quote win unquote uh, the draft. Uh, it is a mock draft. You are not winning anything. I don't care if people, you know, want to pat me on the back or take a dump on me on Twitter. It makes no difference to me. I want to see how the landscape uh, changes with how I change my draft strategy. Uh, with seven and eight, uh, seventh round, I took Mike Harley, the wide receiver from Miami. Eighth round, I took the first tight end off the board with Cole Turner from Nevada. Then I went back to my wide receiver running back uh, strategy. I took Britton Brown from UCLA and Tyler Sneed, uh, the wide receiver from ECU. And I'm going to go ahead and plant my flag on Tyler Sneed being the wide receiver to own in uh, at ECU outside of C.J. Johnson. I know there was a couple years ago, you know, before the pandemic, it was – you know, C.J. Johnson would have a 20-catch game and then he'd get hurt and would be out and then Tyler Snead would come in the next time and have the 19-catch game and they'd go back and forth and all that. I just think Tyler Snead's the, the guy to have. Uh, next two rounds were the exact same way. I took Zach Evans, running back from TCU. Jordan Whittington, my wide receiver from Texas. Uh, Got to have at least one homer pick every draft. Then 13 and 14, I took my two quarterbacks. I took Brock Pur- Purdy and Jaden Delora. And then I flipped back around around 15 to Kyle Phillips, you know, uh, a decent PPR guy from UCLA and then Ohio State's defense for the last round. So, J.D., uh, who are some guys on, on the, that I just mentioned there that you that you like, dislike, that that you think that I took a little too high, took a little too low? Just kind of what's your thoughts on and your thoughts on the strategy in general on waiting on quarterback for so long? Yeah, I think in general it could be a pretty profitable strategy. Like every mock draft, I pretty much notice how deep the quarterbacks are. Um, I think I might try some where instead of waiting till the 13th round, you know, do kind of maybe like a modified uh, zero QB strategy. Like maybe you take one in the first five and then wait or the first four and then wait. Um, I I might try one where I wait until about, you know, maybe the fifth or sixth round Um, because I'm still seeing some pretty good players go in there, like Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Preston Hutchinson, Hayner, Mordecai, Slovis. These guys all went in the sixth. So I think it's a good strategy to keep testing out to get a better feel for, uh, you know, the ADP is going to keep changing. So to get a better feel for where the guys you really think there's value on are going to drop to. You know, C.J. Stroud is going in the fourth or fifth round. Brennan Armstrong going sometimes in the fourth round if there's any chance you can get those guys you can get like both of those guys fourth and fifth be a home run so overall the strategy i think it's an interesting one and it's one as adp changes it's important to keep keep noticing yeah so speaking of adp i'm looking at uh cff jared's adp chart that i've uh that i've acquired from him uh if you if you guys are interested in it holler at him over at his twitter handle cff underscore jared uh, it's 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 been pretty useful. I've been t- I've been diving into it pretty deep, and just just to kind of piggyback off what uh, Jer- uh, JD's just said, <clears throat> rounds rounds four or five five through eleven. These are the quarterbacks that are going from an ADP standpoint. You got Grayson McCall as the twelfth quarterback off the board, then DTR, De'Eric King, Keaton Slovis, Preston Hutchinson all in the sixth round. Seventh round Carson Strong. Eighth round is uh, Bailey Zapp. Jake Harner from uh, Fresno State in the ninth. Tanner Mordecai, Shevin Cordero in the ninth. Will Rogers from Mississippi State. Malik Cunningham, Emory Jones, all in the 10th and 11th round. So there's a lot of quarterbacks right there that kind of goes right along with what you're saying, uh, <clears throat> J.D., is you have a lot of guys that in that 5th to 11th round that are that are startable quarterbacks, that are guys that I would have no problem 
uh, having on my start my for on my uh, starting lineup in the first couple of weeks of the season to see how it goes. And that list goes deep, you know, all the way into the 16th and beyond rounds. There's guys that I would be comfortable with having starting for me, you know, week one. So a um, couple of the things that, that I would definitely, that I'm definitely going to try differently next time. Uh, next mock draft I do, I'm going to go quarterback heavy on the first couple rounds. I'm going to try to load up on some of the elite quarterbacks, the DJUs, the Bryce, the Bryce Youngs. Uh, you know, unless you got the 101 or 102, you're not going to get Malik Willis, period. But, you know, guys guys along that along that line, you know, the Spencer Rattlers, the Matt Corrales, the Dustin Crumbs, Sam Howells, Brennan Armstrongs, uh, C.J. Strouds, like like, uh, J- like J.D. was just saying. So that's something I'm going to try on my next mock draft to see how, kind of how it goes. So uh, so that being said, you got any other thoughts on, on the, the punt like hell on quarterback until the teen rounds? Sorry, I was muted there. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I personally, I don't, I don't really love waiting that long, but that's just a personal preference. Like in college, I, I just like having, you know, just because quarterbacks are a little bit more valuable uh, than, in, you know, NFL fantasy football. Obviously, I love waiting for quarterbacks there. Um, so for me, it's just a hard one for me to get behind unless there's a few later round guys I'm really comfortable. So I think I'm going to dig a little bit more into that. I think um, the guy you got late, and at the end of the 14th round, uh, who's really sticking out to me, Jaden Delora, Washington State quarterback. Um, I mean, he's it looks like he's finally back practicing with the team. He had picked up a DUI, and that was the main concern with him. But, like, I was really impressed with him. Uh, he came in as a freshman, I believe a true freshman in the Pac-12 last year. Uh, and he, he didn't – you know, he looked very, very solid. He made some mistakes. But overall, I think it was a very impressive performance that a lot of people overlooked. He's got two really good wide receivers out there, Renard Bell and Travell Harris. And we've seen what these quarterbacks can do in a Nick Rolovich offense. Washington State doesn't look, look like a team that's going to play a ton of defense. I think they're a team you want to target for fantasy. So I think that's one of my favorite guys. Uh, and then the guy I got in the 13th round, Phil Jerkovic for Boston College. I really think he's going to put up impressive numbers, man. That guy has tons of potential. We finally saw him come into that last year. I think he's going to continue to improve. He gets a flowers back and he gets his uh, second and third wide receivers back as well. So uh, those are the two main ones. If I'm waiting that I would look to grab. Yeah. And my, my parting topic on the, the waiting on quarterbacks and the reason why it's looking more and more to me, like I may end up doing that. If I look at the top 12 quarterbacks in a draft right now, you got Malik Willis, who's a, who's who's an elite rushing quarterback. <clears throat> After that, you got Spencer Rattler and Matt Corral. Guys that aren't going to blow you away their rushing numbers. Dustin Crum, very good rushing quarterback. DJ Uungalele, I feel pretty confident that I said that right. Uh, you know, he's 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 going to give you some rushing numbers, but it's going to be more one of those kind of Justin Herbert, you know, 30, 40 yards a game. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to rely on. Dylan Gabriel's. Got some wheels on him. Sam Howell, you, you're not expecting any rushing from him. Don't know a lot about Bryce Young yet and how, how much he's going to want to run the ball. Brennan Armstrong's a, a pretty solid runner. Desmond Ritter, a solid runner. C.J. Stroud will be expecting to be pretty mobile, pretty athletic, and Grayson McCall. So if you don't pull the trigger on those kind of guys right there and then those first 12 quarterbacks, once you get down, then you're looking at a lot of guys that are more more run, more run uh, – more th- throw the ball first quarterbacks outside of DTR and De'Aaron King, which be the 13th and 14th quarterbacks coming off the board. But then you got Keaton Slovis, Preston Hutchison, Carson Strong, Billy Zapp, Jake Herner, 
uh, Tanner Mordecai, Shevin Cordero, Will Rogers, and then you know then you get to guys like Malik Cunningham and Emory Jones. So I guess I guess what my thoughts are: if I can't get an elite rushing quarterback in those first two or three rounds, then I'm just totally punting on the position until uh, until something comes up later on down the road. You're muted again, homie. Damn it. There um, it is. <laughs> <laughs> good point you made about the, the rushing quarterbacks. You're paying a premium on them. Um, the guys that stood out when you were Emory Jones, I think, I guess eighth round's a fair price, but uh, Mikhail Cunningham all the way in the ninth round really run the ball. He had uh, over 600 rushing yards and seven touchdowns yeah. last year. Uh, and if I remember correctly, he was a little bit hobbled at the beginning of the year, and that's why he didn't have such a good start. So he stands out. I'm not a huge Max Duggan guy, but all the way down at the 12th, 12th round, that guy could really run the ball too. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah. All right, man, I'm going to kick it over to you. Let's hear your team and your thoughts on what, what, why you made the picks where. Yeah, so I was drafting out of the 11th slot right before Kevin. Uh, the very first pick was interesting because I, I kind of had a feeling <laughs> what we were both wanting. Uh, with Calvin Austin and Keyshawn Boutte both on the board. I think we, we both wanted those guys, but yeah. knew it wasn't going to happen. So yeah, I went with yeah. Calvin Austin, um, and then you took up Boutte. So if I would have taken Boutte there, would you have taken Austin? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, what I wanted to do was go wide receiver, wide receiver, and then just go heavy running back and quarterback the rest of the way uh, just to fill out the roster because, if I'm not mistaken, the draft of the way it was set up, the two quarterbacks, two running backs – uh, three wide receivers, and then, of course, a tight end and a defense. So my thought was I'm going to, to load up and get two elite wide receivers right at the, right the rip and then go heavy running back to fill the rest of the roster out, get an early tight end, get some get some decent quarterbacks. And then when you took Calvin Austin in front of me, I kind of kind of switched gears a little bit and thought I'm going to go a little bit more balanced approach now because I wanted one, two of those elite wide receivers that are up at the top of the list. And, you know, whenever you're looking – at the ADP sheet by position, excuse me, let me get down to wide receivers real quick. You've got David Bell, Kayshawn Boutte, and then Calvin Austin are the first three off the board. David Bell was taken by by Nick Allen uh, over at uh, CFB Winning Edge. And then I had to, in my mind, I was about to take two two and three off the, off the, AD, off the ADP sheet. And then when you took Calvin Austin, it made me kind of – kind of switched gears a little bit, but was that where he was going? Was you going to go end up going wide receiver, wide receiver in the first two rounds if Boutte was there for you? Yeah, and when we're reviewing this draft, we uh, shout out CFF Jared. He deleted the league after, so we're, we're going off of these kind of grainy <laughs> pictures. So I'm trying to, like, count who exactly went where. Um, but when David Bell was still available in the – I think that was the ninth pick, like, before he went, obviously we're sitting there counting our chickens, right? We're like, David Bell's there, Austin's there, and Boutte yeah. is there as well as some good quarterbacks and then a guy I really like, Kevin Marks. So I was just like, man, I'm going to get two of these guys. Uh, <laughs> of course, Bell didn't make it to us. And then I only ended up with Austin and not Boutte. So, but that's how it works. So, so with, with how much me and you talk CFF on and off the pod, my, my, my thought was is you would, you would for sure go Kevin Marks in, in the first yeah. round at, the, at, the, at pick 11. So in, in my eyes, I, I'm thinking, man, I'm, once David Bell went, Desmond Ritter went at the, at the ninth pick, and then it come up to you at excuse me at the tenth pick, and it come up to you at the eleventh. And I was for sure thinking, well, you're going to go Marks. That's going to yeah. give me my two wide receivers, and you'll come back around with whoever you want in the second round. So it's a a a just 
folks do when you're doing your drafts, you cannot stay fixated in one strategy. You have to be able to pivot yeah. at the drop of a dime and be able to change. Like me, I was totally dead set on going wide receiver, wide receiver. But yeah. if I would have done that, then I would have ended up going Kayshawn Boutte and then Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. And I just – I'm not willing to spend a second-round draft pick on Marvin Mims just yet. I think he's going to be very well or, or very good. I think he's going to do very well. I just – I'm not willing to spend uh, a second-round pick on, on Mims at, just, just just yet. So, yeah, uh, I'm going and- to be quiet for a little while and let you talk. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm muting myself. I'm gone. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is a good point you left me with, though, is, you know, altering your strategy. So one thing I like to do in drafts, I see what the board gives me, man. Like here, teams went running back heavy in the first round, and that's totally fine. That's going to happen. But like, I mean, Jameer Gibbs went in the first round. That's not going to happen all that often. Sincere McCormick went before him. Both these guys went before David Bell. So I'm seeing this play out. Desmond Ritter went in the first round, a guy I would not take in the first round. So I'm like, man, there's some really good quarterbacks. There's some really good wide receivers on the board. I think my... You know, if this was real league, obviously it's a mock, mock draft, but I, I want to practice how I'm actually going to draft. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to load up on the wide receivers and the quarterbacks early because that's the best available. I'm going to have an advantage. In my opinion, I'm going to end up with the better quarterbacks in the league. I'm going to end up with some good wide receivers. So I did end up taking Calvin Austin. Uh, when it came back to me, I went with Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. And then the third round, I came back and got Dylan Gabriel, quarterback UCF. So I, I feel ecstatic with that. Because I, in my opinion, two quarterback ones, I have Bryce Young at number four, Dylan Gabriel at number seven, two guys with a little bit of dual threat ability, um, not, not a ton, but overall, man, I, I just feel perfectly happy with that. And then I was able to grab a wide receiver in John Mechie, who actually moved up in my rankings. I originally had him at nine, now I have him at seven, so I'm happy with anywhere in that range. I, I view him as a wide receiver one. Uh, I grabbed Mechie in the fourth round. So coming out with Austin. Mechie, Gabriel, Young, I feel like I have a dis- I would have a distinct advantage in this in in this draft at the wide receiver and quarterback positions. For sure. For sure. You actually you taken two two guys that were in the in the in the first four rounds that were both in your top twelve on on either side. And uh, you know, you kind of punted on the running backs on, on the running back until a little bit later. And yeah. you know, it's uh but it gives you a lot of strength at the wide receiver and quarterback position, especially starting two quarterbacks with some rushing capabilities, hopefully, especially with Bryce Young. If Bryce Young gets out there and gives you 50, 60 rushing yards every week, he's going to kill. And then, of course, with Dylan Gabriel, we know what he's going to do. He's going to chuck the ball over the field. He's got some wheels on him. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, you you went totally opposite from what I was thinking. You know, my, yeah. my mindset was to, to, hey, look, if I'm not going to get, you know, somebody like Rattler or DJU or Matt Corral, then screw it. I'm just going to see what I can get. I'm going to try to find a quarterback late in the draft that will give me a little bit of rushing upside and go from there. But you took care of the quarterback early, and uh, and, and it worked out well for, well for you because running back is pretty deep in this draft. There's a lot of running backs that I, that I, that I like. I probably had another 15 running backs in my queue that, uh, that I would have been fine drafting toward the end of this draft. Yeah, and – it's not going to play out this well every time. Like even if I would have ended up with, I don't know, Sam Howell in the third round instead of Dylan Gabriel or, you know, even Brandon Armstrong, I was considering, uh, I'm just really high on Gabriel and young. Like I'm perfectly happy with these guys as a quarterback once. So to get two of those guys, like it just gives you a level of comfort, like having that and wide receivers. It's like whatever else I get out of this draft, I'm going to feel fantastic about those two positions. Yeah, um, it gives you a sense of security. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so let's examine how the running backs played out. Because, yeah, I did I did punt a little bit longer than I normally would. Um, 
So I ended up getting Max Borgie in the fifth round out of Washington State, Jerrion Ely, Ole Miss um, in the sixth round, and then Tyler Goodson out of Iowa in the seventh round. So I went three straight to try to make up for that on my roster. And uh, and I'm not going to lie, it's obviously it's not an ideal running back situation, but I, I feel okay about these guys too. Um, I have Ely ranked as my 16th running back. I have Borgie as my 11th, so I'm higher on Borgie than most people. Um, but I, you know, two RB2s, which I'm perfectly happy. And then Tyler Goodson, I have as a 21, 21 ranked guy. Um, so right in that RB2, RB3 territory. And this is a 12 man league. So actually, that would be three RB2s I picked up. So while I don't really think either of these guys are going to have a totally monster season, I think these guys are starter worthy. I can plug them in my lineup and not really feel too bad about the position. Um, Especially if Max Borgie can start catching passes. If he if he gets back to catching passes, it doesn't have to be at a you know a hundred reception rate like he was playing with uh, with Mike Leach. But I mean, 50, 60 receptions. If he can get to that point, uh, we definitely know he's got the skill set. We'd hope that uh, Rolo uh, you know utilizes that out at Washington State. You would uh, you would hope that a coach is smarter to say, hey, look, I got a guy like this on my team can catch balls great out of the backfield. I'm going to feature that in his game. Maybe he doesn't, but we hope, we hope that he does. And if he does, then then Max Borgie is definitely a, a top 10 running back with, without question, even though a lot of people have him ranked a lot lower. Yeah, and that's the one thing I'm going to be cautious with because while I am high on Max Borgie, I, I totally understand the concern. And so he's probably going to be a guy who comes up a lot in drafts where I'm like, wow, he you know he fell pretty late to me. And I don't, I don't want to just take him every time just because I have him ranked higher. You know, <laughs> just because you have him ranked higher than everyone else doesn't mean you need to own him in 100% of league. So for this purpose of this draft, it worked out very well. I'm glad he fell. I, I needed him in the fifth round. I needed running backs. But <laughs> next rounds, maybe I'm going to lay off some Max Porky just in case. Um, all right, so what you got up next? All right, so next up I got uh, Johannes Tyler out of Ball State uh, as my third wide receiver. I'm going to talk about him a little bit. Kind of a guy. I overlooked, so I'm going to talk about him a little bit later at the end. Um, but a guy I feel very solid about. I'm very high on this Ball State offense. I think they're getting slept on a little bit. Him, Justin Hall. I think Drew Plitt, the quarterback, that's another guy I'm going to look at uh, in later rounds. I actually just took him in another draft. Uh, I mean, Ball State, they're moving, and they got everybody back. So really high on them. Um, I decided to bolster my running back room uh, in the ninth round with Brian Robinson from Alabama. Uh, I kind of went – I guess I went higher upside in this since, you know, I talked about running backs earlier. Uh, right now, Brian Robinson is the starter for Alabama. Now, does he have a secure hold on that running back spot for Alabama? No, he doesn't. They, of course, have a million five stars behind him. It's probably the most loaded running back room in America, as it is every single year. Um, but for the most experienced, he was very productive in limited roles. He looks like the most physical runner of the football. Looks like he's going to be the goal line back, I think. Uh, and even, I don't know, he's just going to start the season as Alabama's RB1. What's the worst performance we've seen from an Alabama RB1 in the past 10 years? So that in the ninth round, even given the chance he's not the starter, like there's just way too high of an upside for him to be in the ninth round, in my opinion. Yeah, the ninth round was the part that got me. Like Even if it doesn't work out, who cares? It's a ninth round pick. Uh, you, you you cut him and move on. But if it does work out and you get a Najee Harris type of player that could be their their workhorse, that's it's a no brainer. It's that's a grand slam hit if 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 it uh, if it works out. 
Yeah. So again, I'm not going to take him every every round. Also, I went with a bunch of Alabama players. I had four of them on my team. You did. You did. You did. You did, you did go hardcore Bama. You did. <laughs> and like, I'm not usually trying to do that, but lasting too long, in my opinion. Like, has anybody been watching Alabama's offense? Like, they're just going to rebuild and reload. I want those guys. Uh, and I didn't really feel like I overpaid for any of them. So. I'm not a, not a Bama not a Bama guy by any means, but sure I'll take them and see if. But if they're going to be um, scoring 45 points every week, then then there's no reason to not be a Bama guy in CFF. Yeah, that's exactly what. Just just flat out, I mean, it's I I, I just I despise Alabama. They they kicked the shit out of Texas in the national championship game in 2009, and I've hated them ever since. And all their obnoxious ass, stupid fans, I hate I hate all of them. But. When it comes to CFF, I'm cool with not having allegiances. And if I got a team that's consistently dropping 45 points a game every single year, no matter who they got at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and they're just, like you said, reloading and, and, and hitting the ground running, then I'm going to have a couple of those players on my team whenever it comes uh, real draft time. Absolutely. Um, all right. And then I went back to wide receivers with uh, Jareth Stearns out of Western Kentucky. Uh, and Khalil Pimpleton out of Central Michigan. Uh, Jared Stearns, I want I want to touch on. A very difficult guy for me. So, uh, the Western Kentucky is basically getting a, an influx of transfers from Houston Baptists, which you might hear and be like, why the hell would I care about Houston Baptists? Um, they're getting Bailey Zapp, the quarterback. They're getting the offensive coordinator, and they're getting Jared Stearns as well as some other guys. But uh, Stearns is the interesting one to me, along with Zapp, because uh, – he led the nation uh, FCS in receptions in 2019. He had 105 receptions. So this guy's a PPR monster. Um, then you throw back to what you saw him do last year against power five competition. Uh, Cause obviously that's the worry. He's going up to power five competition. Well, they played North Texas. He had 11 catches, 93 yards, Texas tech, 12 catches, 130 yards, one touchdown, let's Louisiana go. tech. Yeah, let's go. Louisiana tech, a team they're going to be playing 14 catches, 138 yards, three touchdowns, and then he finishes that up against Eastern Kentucky, 10-93, one touchdown. So, what did you say this guy's name? I need to make sure I keep me some notes on him. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Stearns. And yeah, that's something I'll be keeping a closer eye on now. I didn't really, I didn't, I've, I've, I got, I got to admit, Western Kentucky is really not a team that's on my radar no. when it comes to uh, to CFF. So, so I'm, uh, I'm listening intently right now. I did not, I was not aware of of all the transfers coming in, especially. Guys that catch 14 passes a game. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, like, they've been pretty yucky on offense for a while, and that's a team that you really wouldn't be uh, paying close attention to, right? But, yeah, Houston Baptist, I mean, they were they were incredible. Like, probably one of the best FCS offenses I've seen. Um, and the fact that they come in, you look at the points they put up. They put up 38 on Louisiana Tech. Uh, obviously, Texas Tech, not a great defense. They put up 33. They put up 31 on North Texas. And then they put up 33 against that Eastern Kentucky team. So they're going to huck the ball all around the yard. Uh, and, I, I, it, again, it's difficult to make an exact, uh, you know, an exact equation for how, how this is going to transfer over. But, like, Western Kentucky, compared to the teams, you know, the Conference USA, compared to the teams that they were playing in the FCS, I don't really think it's going to be a huge difference in some of these games. And like Western Kentucky had nothing going for them. Like there's not like there's established guys there to be out, you know, to beat out. I think that's why they all transfer there. That's all they all, they all follow their offensive coordinators because they're like, this is pretty much a blank slate where we can take over and do the same thing 
and get get recognized at, at the Division One level. So they are one of the most interesting teams in college football this year, I think, to see how this plays out. I know I'll definitely be keeping a closer eye on them now that you brought that up. I was not yeah. aware of all that. So, yeah. all right, uh, let me finish up my roster here real quick. Uh, I got Brant Kaifey, uh tight end out of Utah. I usually wait on my tight ends. Perfectly happy with him. I, I think there's a lot of good tight ends this year. Uh, and, what, and, and what round was that in? Uh, difficult to sell here on Jared's sheet since there's no round. Oh, oh, hold I'm on a second. I'll, I'll, I'll look 16, that up while you're talking about it. You go 12, ahead and talk about it, and I'll talk about it. 12th. Okay, so I, I spent an eighth-round pick on Cole Turner. I don't know about it. And you spent a 12th-round pick on Brant Keithy, Keithy, however you want to pronounce his last name. Uh, I like your pick much better than mine. I would have much rather had a guy – uh, an extra running back or an extra wide receiver and, and punt on the tight end position another four rounds as compared to, to spend, spend up that high and get that first tight end off the board. So, so looking at, uh, looking at some of the ADP side, you got, you got Brant, you got Keithy at seventh, which is his ADP is in the 12th round right now. I took uh Cole Turner a little early. His ADP is in the ninth, but there are, but, this this year's actually got some pretty deep tight ends. I, I don't I don't mind. I, I know going forward, I'll definitely be punting on the tight end position a little bit longer because uh, getting getting Keithy in the twelfth compared to, to Turner in the eighth, it's a it's a big difference to me. Yeah, and I, I think with your zero quarterback strategy, I, I don't hate you know maybe taking Turner a little earlier because you want to get the best of the best at other positions, and you got the best of the best at tight end, so. I think I think it does work with your strategy, but yeah, generally I always wait on tight ends in college fantasy football, and unless like there's a sweet like if Weidermeyer or Turner's waiting for me in the tenth round, of course I'm going to snatch him up. But sure, sure. Um, all right, so end of my roster: Phil Jerkovic, as I mentioned at quarterback, Reese White on Coastal Carolina. I seem to be getting him in every mock draft. I swear I'm not trying to, but like Coastal Carolina is freaking legit, and CJ Maribel is gone. Reese White might be the guy. Uh, we don't know, but in my opinion, it looks like he probably will be the guy. Uh, so of course I'm going to be interested there. Slade Bolden at Alabama, just because I needed to complete the Alabama bit where I have four, I have basically their starting <laughs> offense on my team. Uh, and then I have Wisconsin defensively. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I like the way you put your team together. You, you got a lot of, a lot of, uh, high upside running backs, especially after you punted on running back in the first four rounds, which is what you have to do. If you, if you, uh, if you just, totally punt running backs and you go wide receiver quarterbacks, maybe tied in the first couple of rounds, then, then you have to have running backs that have, that have big, big upside. Reese White being one of them. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama being another one there. So you got guys that, that could potentially be, be, uh, you know, high end RB twos, you know, in the, in the double digit round. So, so well done there. <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I don't think it's always going to fall to me that nicely, like the strategy I went with quarterback wide receiver. So I'm very happy with it this draft. But, you know, keeping in mind, if I do this next draft, I might end up with some running back side I don't feel very good about. Yeah, we'll see where we go with the next one. So that's, that's why you do mocks. That's why you do a whole bunch of them. All right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to kind of go through, <clears throat> excuse me, round by round, pick one guy in each round, and we'll go – We'll go as we'll do as many rounds as we can until we get to you know you know about forty five minutes. We'll try to keep the keep it a lightning round, so to speak, and go from there. So so we'll start with you, JD, and I'll give you my first. So in the first round, who are some guys that you uh, that you thought were way out of place or that you really liked? Yeah, we're just gonna mention names that stick out. You know, too high, too low. Um, Jameer Gibbs, I, 
Uh, he went in the first round. He went right after Spencer Rattler. He went before David Bell. He went before Kevin Marks, before Austin, before Butte. Um, I mean, he, he's extremely high upside. Uh, we've talked about him before. We don't really know what to expect with him. One of the more difficult guys for me to rank, but uh, I don't even have him ranked in my top 10 running backs. I, I'm not really trying to be controversial there. I have him at 13, so uh, that one definitely stood out to me. And for me, it was Desmond Ritter um, in, the, in the first round going at pick nine. Now, I can see why. I mean, it's just uh, for, for me, it's, it's, it's way too soon for, for a guy like that. But you're on a really good team, uh, decent defense, playing in positive game strip, scripts, and you're a rushing quarterback. So I get it. But uh, for, for me right there at nine, there was a lot of good running backs and wide receivers on the board that, uh, that put up game-changing type numbers a little bit more than Ritter will. All right, moving on to number two. Who you got on two? All right, so obviously Kevin Marks, I've talked about him before. Uh, you're right. Usually I would have taken him on the flop. Uh, I had it in mind I might, but like I said, I just saw the wide receivers and quarterbacks, and I said, you know, even if I get Marks, I think I'm getting good value. But, like, as far as a team, you know, a roster construction standpoint, I still don't feel like I'd have an edge on running backs because, you know, so many have already went, so many are going to have running backs taken highly. I'll just be another team with running backs taken highly. So, uh, but Kevin Marks, man, I mean, he went after Sincere McCormick. He went after Jameer Gibbs. Um, I'm very high on Kevin Marks. Again, I would not be surprised if he pushed that 1,800 yards or if he pushed 1,500 yards with like 18, 20 touchdowns. Like if this guy blew up, I, there's no reason to be surprised. It's Buffalo. Only concern, you know, Lance Leopold did lead for Kansas. That's just one question hanging over my head when there were zero questions before. Still very high on the kid. Yeah, and for me, I, I guess I'm going to start shitting on Cincinnati, but it was Jerome Ford at the, at the end of the second round. I promise yeah. it's not on purpose because I like Cincinnati this year, but Jerome Ford really let a lot of people down last year. You know, he was an Alabama transfer coming into Cincinnati, was supposed to be, you know, best running back Cincinnati's had in them, had, had their, you know, all-time kind of thing. And he, he was definitely, in my opinion, the best running back on the field. But he just didn't get on the field a lot. And I'm not sure what the what the the reasoning was behind that. Maybe it was one of those coaches to where hey, he had a he had an upperclassman that was that was that was in front of him on the depth chart. So we rode him with uh, with Jared Dokes. <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, I just don't I don't get the warm and fuzzies when I'm talking about uh, 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 Jerome Ford. So no, All certainly. Right. Um, I, I want to stay in that round real quick on the quarterbacks because um, Carson Strong. Went real early again. I promise it was Brandon. Hey, I'm not trying to shit on your team, but he, he went with Gibbs <laughs> in the first round and Carson Strong in the second round. So Strong went before DJU and before Dustin Crumb, before Sam Howell, before Dylan Gabriel. So I, I know there, <laughs> there was some guy on Twitter. Shout out to this guy who was calling Crumb the bum. This is yeah. why I've won so many <laughs> leagues because people draft Dustin Crumb in the second round. So, what, yeah, what sticks was, out to you about the quarterbacks in that he range? Was, <laughs> he was uh, he was awfully uh, chest pounding on there. I actually had this. <laughs> I actually had this this very very diplomatically correct response to the guy, and I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't send. It. I didn't want to get off in the in the drama of it. But yeah, anybody yeah. that comes on there talks about how many championships they win. That what that yeah. tells me is either <laughs> either you are. You are so so great at fantasy football, or you just play with a lot of shitty players. So that's definitely it. Don't yeah. don't don't hop on to don't hop on to Twitter pounding your chest about uh about how great you are at fantasy football because all that makes you look like is a fucking tool, and that you play <laughs> with a bunch of sixth graders and you should win. So uh, yeah, go go eat one, homie. I can't remember the guy's name is, but he that was that, as soon as I read it, I thought, oh my god, I've got to say yeah. something to this guy, and I thought, no. You quit it. You're an adult. You do not need to do this. So, 
yeah. some of the quarterbacks going in there for me, uh, DJU, Dustin Crum. Uh, DJU's not not the rushing quarterback that I that I tend to to steer towards in those first two rounds, but he is uh, surrounded with talent on a team that's going to kick the shit out of everybody they play. Um, so yeah, I, I would have definitely taken guys like DJU and Dustin Crum, Sam Howe, all before him. But in a <clears throat> In Brendan's defense, he is a big-time Debbie guy, and I know the yeah. Debbie world is really high on Jameer Gibbs and Carson Strong. Uh, yeah. So a little difference of philosophy from, <clears throat> excuse me, from Debbie Debbie to, to campus to Canton leagues to to the straight CFF leagues, and then of course CFF dynasty leagues, that yeah. kind of stuff. Which brings up a good point, uh, something to kind of plug right here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to some of the campus to Canton guys and some of the Debbie guys running around out on Twitter and see if we can't get them on a, a guest show this uh, this off season to kind of talk the differences in thought process of what how they how they evaluate players compared to how we as just regular CFF players evaluate their rosters. So, yeah, all right. So who, who you got in the third round? Uh, third round. Let me see here. I, I keep mentioning Reggie Roberson, so I'll try not to, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just some really good wide receivers I want to point out here. You know, Traylon Burks went here. Reggie Roberson went here. Jakari Roberson went here. Some guys I think maybe a little too high, but still good wide receivers. Zay Flower, Romeo Dobbs, Jalen Tolbert. So what stands out here, man, a lot of wide receivers going. Um, none of them would have made it to me on my third pick. So I guess I'm glad I took Austin early. Um, yep. But, yeah, I don't know. Any of those guys stand out to you? Well, so the reason why a lot of a lot of those the, the top tier top twelve wide receivers going is because everybody went so running back and quarterback heavy on yeah. the front end, right? So now this is where you expect them to go after they've got their two quarterbacks or their two running backs to start loading up on the other positions to try to do the same thing you did, just on the flip side to where you went running or wide receiver and quarterback, then you went heavy running back. Every, most other people went quarterback first, running back first, so now they're going heavy on their wide receivers. Guy that stands out to me the most is Ronnie Rivers, though. Uh, I like Ronnie Rivers a lot. He's a big-time pass-catching back. Uh, I got a major sweet spot in, in my heart for those guys uh, just for the floor that it gives you. You know, they can have a terrible day rushing the ball and still give you a 20-point game because they've got seven or eight catches. Uh, so, Ronnie Rivers is the one that stands out to me the most. So, so moving forward to the fourth round, what you got there? Yeah, fourth round, I always mention C.J. Stroud. I think that's really good value. Um, but the name that's standing out uh, – the name that I'm really interested in this guy. Like, I'm not sure if I would consider this tremendous value in the fourth round. We're still judging player values, obviously still judging ADP. Uh, Chris Rodriguez with Kentucky running back. Exactly. It's exactly um, who I was going to say. So <laughs> I'm just going to piggyback off of yours. So <laughs> yeah, basically it, like every time I look at him, I'm like, why don't I have this guy ranked higher? Like I, I keep moving him up right now. He's only at 17. I guarantee you he's going to move up next time I rank him. I could even make a case to put him up as high as like number nine in my rankings. Um, like, I, I don't get it. I, I think the things that are holding me back, Kentucky's been kind of going by a running back by committee lately, uh, but that should pretty much be cleared up. It seems like he's pretty much the clear. They pound the ball on the ground relentlessly. Like if he is the RB one that it's looking like right now, he could get 25 carries a game and it wouldn't surprise anyone. Uh, he, he should basically be very successful. He's been, he's been a yards per carry monster. Uh, I could go check it, but I, I know he's somewhere around like over seven in his career. The, the guy's a complete monsters, huge workload. Um, I like I, I, every time I look at him, I'm like, why is this guy not a third rounder, not a second rounder? Yeah. It's a, uh, to me, it's just the stink of Kentucky really. 
It's uh, it's it's. Yeah. I don't like having Kentucky players on my team in general. Like I didn't even yeah. I didn't even want to draft Benny Snell because I just I just don't see a lot of passing passing down work. Kentucky's typically typically a bad team, but then yeah. again, the bottom of the SEC, you know, the bottom half of the SEC where Kentucky's at, they're all the same. You can all interchange them out, and you know maybe I should try to open my mind up a little bit, but it's that's one thing about CFF. <clears throat> The fact is, there's 130 teams out there. If there's a, if there's a team that you just really don't like the way their offense is run historically, then there's plenty of other options to look at. So for me, even though even though Chris Rodriguez is getting you know all the carries, it's just one of those things to me that I'm just not interested. Like in in general, I just don't want any. I don't really want any part of having the Kentucky running back on my team. It's just one of those uh, one of those crosses to bear, so to speak. I just let somebody else have it. And and going about my business, and I can see why people like him. I can see why he's he would be ranked higher in your rankings. I can I can I'm, I can totally get on board with that thought process, but it's just Kentucky. It's just gross. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't want. I don't want their players on my team. Like it's it, like. And and again, I'll mention again. I didn't even want Vinny Snell on the team, and he was he was amazing. You know, it just it just felt it felt it felt gross looking at a guy like Vinny Snell, and I had guys that played for Oregon or for. Uh, Oklahoma or, you know, a Big 12 team or a Big 10 team. I just, yeah, you know, I'll pass. I'll go with somebody different. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the fifth round, what do you see in the fifth? Uh, not much stands out. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the running backs in this range. This is where I came out with Borgie. I feel okay about it. But um, overall, I think the wide receiver talent is just better in the fifth round. So I don't know if that tells you maybe take uh running backs early maybe i'll try that and because I, I like the wide receivers in this range uh ty fry indiana justin ross we talked about him obviously the health is a big concern but if he's healthy that's a wide receiver one in the fifth round all right so number six i'm with you i i, I like i like some of the running backs here but it's because you know guys like calvin turner max borgie master t plays for ohio state if he can be if he gets the the, the bulk of that workload there then it's going to be fine. Jalen Berger, if he's the guy at Wisconsin, you know you got to love a Wisconsin running back in the fifth round. But uh, but yeah, not a lot to not a lot to go over there. So let's go to the sixth. Who you got in the sixth? Yeah, in the sixth, um, I guess this Dwayne McBride guy. He seems to be catching some. I know I talked about him a few weeks ago in the running back rankings, and since then it seems like he's been getting really drafted highly. But you go back and look at him; like he was averaging nine yards a carry. Every time he actually got carries, he went over 100 yards. So uh, he's a guy I'll, I'll be keep paying close attention to. But unfortunately, it does seem like his, his draft, which I am not not a fan of that. I wanted some value on him. So for me, it's uh, it's Jaden Wally from Mississippi State. Um, and this kind of will piggyback onto a conversation I wanted to have a little bit later in this, but we'll go and have it now. Mike Leach typically has a pretty good uptick from season one to season two. Uh when he's when he's when he's first coming into a to a program, um, especially when he was at Washington State, there there wasn't a huge uptick from a quarterback play standpoint for two thousand Texas Tech two thousand one, uh, in two thousand one or two thousand Cliff Kingsbury had thirty four hundred uh, passing yards, twenty one touchdowns, seventeen uh, interceptions. Two thousand one he had thirty five hundred twenty five and nine. Uh, wide receivers though, I mean, in the first year, Tim Baker had sixty nine catches. 765 yards and then the next year it will spread out more but they had three guys with over 50 catches uh one with 700 yards 580 yards and 570 yards so there was a lot more to go around a lot more uh 
you know, diversity, I guess, and you know, they, they spread the ball around a lot more. The biggest thing, uh, the third year, which of course we're not there yet, the third year is when they had their big, their big jump. Cliff Kingsbury went for 5,000 yards, 45 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wes Welker had 86 catches for 1,007. Uh, Peters had 749 yards and eight touchdowns. And then a little bit later on in the draft, I'm going to go and mention that Joe, Joe oh, I'm going to butcher it, Joe, Joe Quavius Marks, running back from Mississippi State. He is being drafted way, way too low. I'm going to, I, I will fix that in this ADP sheet myself over the next couple of weeks because <clears throat> running backs in the Mike Leach system, I had no idea it was, it was this prevalent. But it goes back for years and years and years. You know, there was a guy named Ricky Williams in Texas in 2000 that had 52 catches. The next year he had 92 catches. The following year their starting running back, uh, Torian Henderson, had 98 catches. And then you come over to Washington State, you had uh, – let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, running back. Uh, yeah, so he had a running back with 52 catches in 2013. In 2014 he went with uh, Morrow with 61 catches and – Last year, uh, Joquavius Marks had, I want to say, 55 or 60 catches, along with their second string running back. Well, obviously, Kylan Hill opted out, but, you know, he started the season out with, like, 15 catches or some shit like that. Uh, it was it, It's impressive. So, uh, I'm starting to rise on the Mississippi State offense as a whole. Um, I really wasn't planning on doing so, but especially at the running back position, they're going to be – I'm going to feature the Mississippi State running backs on my, on my roster for sure. Yeah. A good point on the year two. Uh, I know everyone's first reaction to say that is, well, now it's in the SEC. Uh, just one thing I want to point out that I haven't really heard anyone mention because they're probably overlooking it. Uh, Mike Leach has coached in the SEC before. He was the offensive coordinator for Kentucky when they were running that air raid down there. Uh, and actually, he coached Tim Couch to be a Heisman finalist. Tim Couch at Kentucky. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> if you're going to say he can't do it in the SEC, yeah. Uh, that's actually not true. Uh, will he keep doing it? That's a question. But like he's done it oh, before, so you, stop you hit it. You hit it. You hit a trigger word for me. So I got to. I got to get off on, on this rant just a little bit, and then we're going to wrap it up with a couple guys, two two more guys apiece for the rest of the draft. But we got to get off this this SEC defense horseshit. All right, the SEC as a whole has finally caught up with with the offensive schemes that other teams are are have been have been doing out there across the country and. You got teams like Alabama dropping 50 points a game on teams like LSU and Auburn, uh, kicking the shit out of Georgia. You know, th this whole this whole stigma that the SEC and, – and don't get me wrong, the SEC clearly has the best defenses in the country, but their best defenses in the country aren't giving up seven, you know, 12 points a game anymore. You know, they, 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 the SEC as a whole is getting into more and more shootouts every single year. I mean – Perfect example, Alabama and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a shit team compared to Alabama. And last year, what was it, 48-45? You know, it was a it was a it was a barn burner. You know, it was great. So this whole, you know, Leach can't do it because he's in the SEC. I don't I don't subscribe to that anymore. I'm 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 out. I don't I'm not going to to take that as as the gospel anymore because I used to used to. I used to not draft any players in the SEC at all. For the simple fact is, hey, their defenses are just flat out better. You know that they've got elite defenses. They've got, but I don't know that it was as much of the elite defenses as it was. It was the fact that the offenses were just stuck in you know 1995. But if you look, if I mean, we'll just look at Alabama's schedule real quick, just to just to breeze over. 
you know, they they give up 24 to, to AM, 40, excuse me, it was 63 to 48 with with Old Miss, 24 to Georgia. And Georgia's not a good offense. Georgia's not. And they they dropped 24 points on them. And then, you know, 46 points to Florida in the in the SEC championship game. So get out of here telling me that that these teams that just because they play in the SEC and they're one of the better teams in the SEC that they clearly have an elite defense because that's not the case. You know, points are made, are being made easier and easier to score every year just with the way rules work out. You know, the, the people want to watch points score for the most part. You know, you look at the Florida Gators schedule from 2020, 35 points to Ole Miss, 24 points to a garbage South Carolina team, 38 points uh, to, excuse me, 41 points to Texas A&M. You know, Missouri, they only give up 17, but they give up 28 points to Georgia. They give up 35 points to Arkansas. They give up 34 points to LSU, 40 or 52 points to Alabama, 55 against Oklahoma. So, so I don't, I don't understand. I really don't. I, I don't get it. When it comes to CFF, when it comes to, you know, fantasy football, I don't get the whole, the SEC, you can't, you can't have successful offenses in the SEC because the defense is so good. I just I'm, – I'm out on that. 100% out. I will argue that until I'm blue in the face, uh, until I die. I just – I cannot get on board with the SEC being this this defensive powerhouse. Now, now don't get me wrong. The SEC is always going to have 40 players drafted in the first three rounds off the, off the defensive side of the ball. I get that. But the offensive schemes have gotten to a point to where – you just can't really do shit about it. You just got to hope that you can outscore some people. So, so JD, what's your thoughts on that? And I'll get off my, my soapbox real quick. Yeah, I mean, obviously the SEC has good defenses, but now they finally have good offenses to match. Like you said, they were very slow in adapting modern offense, and now they've adapted. Now they score points. I think it's pretty clear there are a lot of teams there that can score points on these defenses. Like, there's, there's not a lot of – SEC defenses that are going to totally shut you down if you're good. Like Mississippi State's offense was shit last year. Like that's just the way they were. It wasn't because of their off. Like Mississippi State's offense has been shit for a while. Um, you know, it's been a while since we had Dak Prescott there. So to say it's because of the air raid, I think it's just pretty fundamentally stupid. There are teams that are totally outmatched in the SEC. Uh, they were pretty outmatched last year, but uh, you, like you said, the more time you give Leach, maybe they won't be overtime. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we hit on two more guys? Yeah, in the draft? Hit, on, hit on a couple more guys. I'll hit on a couple myself, and we'll call it a day. All right, so very next round, uh, Josh Downs, wide receiver with North Carolina, went in the seventh round. Uh, I'm very high on this guy. It sounds like every all the reports are he should be their team's uh, number one wide receiver this year. Has a ton of potential. We saw what he could do in the bowl game against Texas A&M with two touchdowns uh, when he finally got a chance. And, I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people are saying Sam Howell could be in the discussion for the Heisman. Well, if he's going to be in that discussion, that means he's going to have some pretty damn good stats. And who is he going to be throwing the ball to? Yeah. It seems like Josh Downs is the number one candidate. So very high in Josh Downs. Um, and then uh, the running back, I thought that went way too late. Uh, so it's two running backs that I'll talk on that at like that I, I think I would take higher here. Uh, Ty Chandler transferred from Tennessee to North Carolina. So another North Carolina guy. I mean, go back and look at what North Carolina did offensively last year. Yeah. And now they're, like I said, their top two wide receivers are gone. Their top two running backs are gone. Who's going to step up? It looks like Ty Chandler should get the crack at that RB1. That's what all the reports are out of spring. And RB1 on, on the UNC system. And we can only imagine the, the stats this guy could put up if he's successful. So, um, like me, some Ty Chandler. And then George Halani in the 10th round, Boise State, 
that's just way too late. Uh, if I saw he was there, I, I would take probably just whiffed on him. Um, too late. He's too good. Yeah. So some of the guys that I want to talk about was H.A. Uh, H.I.E. Hall, the wider, the freshman wide receiver from Alabama. He went in the seventh round. That was uh, way, way sooner than what I thought he would go in this round. And, he, and it may be totally justified. I know I took him in the, the 18th or 19th round a little, little ways back. I'm looking for him in the ADP sheet here. And it's a uh, matter of fact, let me go ahead and search. So I don't have to keep scrolling through here. Um, let's see. Justin Hall. He went, uh, his ADP right now is the 76th wide receiver off the board in round 17. He went in the seventh round in this mock draft. So that's uh, John McKechnie uh, playing his flag right there. And if he's going to go that early, I'll probably have to lay off of him. He's one of my favorite sleepers for the year uh, to step in and, and, and receive a pretty solid workload uh, in the passing game right off the bat. Uh, and then the other one, of course, I kind of mentioned is Jaquavius Marks, the, the running back from Mississippi State. He is sitting at the uh, in the 12th round as of right now. And uh, – I'll be all I'll be all on that. If I can get him anywhere in the double digit rounds and he stays around the twelfth round, I would imagine he starts working his way up into that seventh, eighth round kind of kind of talk. Just because if you have a like you said, a a workhorse running back that's going to be able to carry the load plus catch 50, 60, 70 passes in a season, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 all about that. That is that is Austin Eckler to a T to me. Uh it just gives you such a safe floor with get you catching five, six, seven balls every single game. And you cannot go wrong there. All right, my man. You got any other closing thoughts while we're uh, while we're talking mock draft? Uh, only things that are sticking out to me. Um, some of the guys who went quarterback, quarterback, especially in the early picks, like uh, CFF Insider had number one overall. He Malik Willis. Then on the comeback, he got Dustin Crum. So absolutely stacked at quarterback, and he actually got Traylon Burks in the third round. So he's set. He's got two QB ones, and he's got a wide receiver one as well. Um, and then another team that went with two quarterbacks, our boy John Lobb, Gridiron Scholar, uh, Matt Corral round one, D2 round two, uh, came back, got Kyron Williams, great. Uh, Kyron Williams won't last to the third round in every draft, but that's fantastic if you're able to make it out with that. And then two running backs I'm high on. Uh, and like I said, got Justin Ross in the fifth. So if, if he's healthy, he, he might have a wide receiver one as well. So I think those two guys killed it in the early rounds. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, again, happy Memorial Day to everybody. Thank you, servicemen and women, for everything that you guys do. And we will see you next week. Deuces. A little.